1: Raptorian fans, we are back. Oren and I got bored as hell and we're like, you know what? Let's talk Toronto Raptors offseason. The wrap-up is back. We thought we'd... Uh, there's been a lot of drama, Oren, a lot going on, and we thought we'd address it all here. So here we are. I'm Ed Moss, your host. Oren Weisfeld, how you doing, man?
0: I'm good, man. I'm, how, how you been?
1: I'm well. I've, I've had a great summer. I am currently on the Gulf Island of salt spring so i'm living the hippie lifestyle it's good
0: oh nice i don't even know where that is but uh that's that's awesome Awesome. there has been a lot going on and there also hasn't like at all
1: yeah it's a lot of bluster
0: i guess yeah we're we're about to talk about a a whole lot of nothing but also maybe it could be something
1: but like i said do you pre-show if there's going to be somebody that talks about the like minutiae of Toronto Raptors drama, transactions, whatever, it's going to be here. And the people that are listening are going to be the people who give a shit. So we're all at the right place.
0: We cater to the people who care too much about who gets the 15th right. spot on the roster. That's, That's right. who we really targeted this show to when we're we the, set out
1: the big board. We're the ones who overanalyze the Pro-Am games and bring back our insight to the people. So that's what we're here for. So let's get it started. We're going to try out the banners today because I'm a big fan of subcategorization. <clears throat> Oren Weisfeld, I know you've written about this on Yahoo Canada already, but tell the listeners, to KD or not KD?
0: Um, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on KD. I'm in on the other guy we might talk about. I'm just in on like um eventually this group's gonna have to make a trade i think in order to get that number one offensive engine and katie is obviously established at that and we can talk about some of the other drama and some of the character stuff because i think that's like a fair concern when it comes to like leveraging your future for this guy but in general the more interesting question to me is like are you pro making a trade that vaults you into another gear at the cost of your future? Um, Or do you want to ride this thing out and see, does anyone on this team step into that number one offensive engine role? I think a lot of people think Scotty could be that guy. I think people think Pascal could be that guy. Um, And I'm a little bit, I guess, pessimistic on those things. Like, I think they're both phenomenal players, but to be a number one offensive engine on a championship team which KD is I think like that is so rare and I'm not sure the Raptors have it so that's kind of why I'm pro KD trade how about you
1: I I am so like on the fence because I do see what you're saying and I and I don't think currently that the way we're constructed we're a championship team obviously I think I mean, it comes down to what is the price? What do we pay? And what yeah. is left over? Because, you know, if it's just Scotty, Pascal, and Kevin Durant, I don't know that we're that much better off. Like, we are better off. But I don't, like, the, the line becomes super thin if that's if that's all who's remaining. Um,
0: let's talk about, like, what seems like the most realistic yeah, framework, okay, let's build which off is, like, that. Gary Trent, OGN, and OB – and like four first round picks.
1: Then I then I I very
0: narrowly say yes. Okay. because I say yes pretty confidently.
1: I, I love OG Ananobi. Like I don't want to see him go. But I do, I think to your point, like yeah. to get an alpha dog score, like that's a pretty low price to get somebody like Durant. And we still keep enough core in- intact that like we can do what we did with Kawhi. We can rest kd for the majority of the year we can bring him out he doesn't have to play. like the crazy thing to me with brooklyn is he was like their number one defensive guy <laughs> like right, that right. you know that like that's that's yeah. not okay like that's just bad team management and and so he would be the fourth guy probably um in Defense, the way but... we're yeah so yeah i think that makes a lot more sense um but well, yeah i think, I think- Okay, I go. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say at the same time, I've also been the one that has touted, like, let's not rock the boat here. Like, we have our young core, let's see where this takes us. And maybe mm-hmm. that's because I think the philosophy is once everybody blossoms, we will be in a point to leverage one or two of those guys for that alpha player. Like, I think mm-hmm. Gary and OG are are not at their optimal yet. And I think that when they are, there still could be an opportunity to trade them and get what we need without it being a thirty-four-year-old who's possibly on his last legs, who could easily be disgruntled. Um, yeah,
0: that's that's where it gets interesting to me too. And I, as I wrote about at Yahoo about Kevin, it was like I'm totally in agreement with that. This team is not ready. in in like the perfect sense to like make that swing Uh you mentioned those two guys who are still growing there's also the like precious and scotty who would probably stay on the team if a trade was made and they aren't ready to play championship basketball yet i don't think no ideally another year of seasoning and then you make this kind of trade but as i wrote like kevin durant doesn't come open every year right it's like players this good just don't come available every year and so yes it doesn't line up with your timetable perfectly but to me sometimes you just need to make the swing even if it doesn't line up with your timetable perfectly i get what you're saying like there's so much player movement now and and but but four years left on his deal top five player in the league that just does not like we can go back and look at it that doesn't um, That's come up every summer. Like that is no, that is a very rare thing. So yeah, I, I think Katie would make like the perfect Raptor in a lot of ways. But here's like wh- what's also interesting to me is the news, partly why we're doing this is because Katie recently like gave the Nets an ultimatum and said either you pick me or the coach and the GM. I'm curious, like, because I know a lot of people have really soured on KD throughout the process because of the way he's handled this and that situation and just been like really a toxic asset has, has his handling in the, in the ultimatum has that made you like less wanting him as a Raptors
1: fan? I mean, I don't think KD has demonstrated anything less than what he's demonstrated in the past. He's always been a little bit acerbic. He's always been very honest and blunt but he's always been dedicated to the team that he plays on. And like, I would be shocked if he didn't show up for training camp and he didn't play this year. I think, I think either this was a call for help as in like, I'm bluffing, just do what you've got to do to make, to put this team in the best position, or he genuinely wants to get traded, but, um, but we'll still, you know, if he isn't, he isn't, you know, that's just like a, an ideal for him because I don't. I think, yeah. I just think he is like a professional basketball player, and he doesn't do it in the best way. And I haven't agreed with some of the stuff he's done in the past. But he's always been there, and he's always like gutted it out. And so I wouldn't be worried if he came here. I also think his like the kinetic energy he would have with with like Masai, with Freddie, like with Scotty. I think it would be so natural for him. Really, all you—I think—all you need to do with KD is surround him with dudes who will want to play basketball, like through and through ballers. And I don't think Kyrie is that. I don't think Harden is that. Um, I think the Warriors were, and and KD was his his best self. So I I would if the trade happened, I wouldn't have any um, you know like I wouldn't freak out that he's going to suddenly up and go.
0: I'm with you, and I think that's like why the raptors have to be considered here is because they have so much belief in their culture that you can bring a guy who maybe is a little bit toxic in and that guy will see what you're doing ultimately slowly but like surely believe in the program and believe in what you're doing and like fit in and fall in line and and i think katie would and i think like you have to be so established as a basketball program to have that confidence but they do, by all accounts. They traded for Kawhi Leonard, not in the s- same situation, but a similar one where they had a lot of confidence and he's going to come, he's going to play, he's going to buy in, and he did. Um, and then my second point on that is I cut Katie a little bit of slack in this situation just because everyone we, – we have to make these judgments on these players based on, like, the little info we have. So and so everyone is judging Katie based on, like, you picked the coach, you wanted Harden and he did. And so he deserves those, those criticisms for sure. But there is a flip side to this where Sean Marks, the GM traded Harden for Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons didn't play like that is ultimately on Sean Marks to not trade for a guy midway through the season. If you don't have enough Intel to say that he's going to play because you have Katie at, at 33 years old. Every season, you have to compete for a championship. And so, yes, they could have lost Harden at the end of the season for nothing. But that is a Sean Marks error to trade for Ben Simmons. I'm obviously a Ben Simmons hater, but like that was a bad trade. <laughs> he he didn't play. And Katie has a right to be upset that the guy you traded for didn't play. And then like, there's also no real evidence that Steve Nash... Like, I don't know, you don't know if Steve Nash is a good coach. So I also have trouble, like, blaming him for that when maybe Steve Nash, maybe he saw what Steve Nash did and the game plans and and the playoff series plans, and he was like, look, we need something a bit better than this. So I cut him
1: some slack there, too. Yeah, to your two points, like, the Raptors are nearing a, like, golden, uh, like, reputation threshold that few franchises in sports reach, right? Like yeah. it's the Patriots, it's the Spurs, it's maybe the Warriors to some degree where you can take an Antonio Brown, maybe that's a bad example, but you can, <laughs> like Randy Moss, <laughs> yeah, I you can take guys yeah. who are like uber talented, but maybe have a personality issue or whatever. And you're so confident in your franchise that, you know, it's going to work. And I, I do feel like Toronto is, or Masai himself alongside Nick nurse is reaching that status where you can, you can bring somebody in and you can try your best to mold them. And if they're not going to work, you can confidently spit them back out. But, but, but the risk is not going to like your franchise isn't going to implode if, if it goes awry. Um, and I think uh, Kawhi was a pretty good example because he, he was making a big stink in San Antonio and he, and he quieted right down in, uh, in Toronto. Um, mm. As for the KD, you know, gets, reaps what he sows thing, like, yeah, but he didn't, he hasn't done anything really different that LeBron has not done multiple times. And so like, if you're going to give KD all of this grief, like you have to throw it at LeBron among probably other players, you know, like this is just what you do when you're an all-time great in the NBA. It's now acceptable. You like go on social media and you whine about the coach, or you throw your teammates under the bus, or like you go to the GM and say I want this guy, I want this guy, and want this guy, and then when it doesn't work, you leave, and that franchise has to like you know suffer the consequences the way Cleveland has, um, the way Miami kind of did, and and the way LA is currently. So I, I like I just I don't love it. I would rather see you know guys who maybe like Dame a little bit more. But I was just
0: going to say, we'd all rather get a Dame Lillard. But, but, he, it doesn't but he's always made noise too, right? Way. Like
1: he's used Chris Haynes. A little bit, like, but
0: he's still like him. I mean, Steph and then like Dame, yeah, you know
1: Yeah, and There's Steph's exceptional because he also has two all-time greats on his team. So it's like you don't really have to do much. Um, but this is yeah, just the way sure. it is. So I don't think you can give KD crap without giving a, like other guys crap too. Yeah. main thing no. is Ky- Kyrie is the one that's really kind of like deserves a lot more criticism obviously but we don't need to get into Kyrie.
0: Yeah, we don't need to get into that stuff too much but it's it's definitely on both the Nets and KD. You can't just pick one and say yeah. all the blame falls here. Like the Nets definitely deserve some some blame themselves and part of that blame is just all of the power they entrusted in KD and Kyrie. Uh like how are you surprised that they're turning on you when you gave them all this power? Of course yeah. they're going to wield it.
1: <laughs> Starting so. off with Deandre Jordan is a bad harbinger. Right. Is a harbinger exactly. of bad things to come. Um, exactly.
0: And the Raptors like last point on this, they don't do that. They no. they will never give a superstar that type of power because they have a culture in place and like Masai and Nick Nurse really big personalities and I mean, Fred too, who are running this thing. And so it's like, you don't just get to come in here and you come in here knowing
1: that. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good transit. And I will just say that I know it's a a bad way to like answer the question, but like if we got KD, great. If we didn't, I I would be totally like comfortable and confident moving forward. Maybe maybe it's a different question when you talk about somebody who's younger Um, also has more years on his contract, I believe. Um Donovan Mitchell has also not more. more.
0: Can't be more than four. No,
1: I mean sorry, more than like just a year. Like he's not exposed. Oh yeah. I think it's two and then let me look it up. Um Donovan uh, Mitchell's twenty-six. I really should have done my background research on this. Um also not necessarily disgruntled in Utah. It's more that Utah has signaled that they want to move on from him. Um, New York's been the obvious one that's really been talked about. And I don't see him going anywhere but New York. Like, it just makes so much sense. It's crazy. I think they're just kind of dancing. But Toronto's been in the mix. Um, Do you feel any differently with Donovan Mitchell than you do Kevin Durant?
0: I do feel differently. But I also would say if the price is right, I would be happy if they went over after a guy like Mitchell. But
1: Orin Weisfeld, name your price.
0: Wait, let me first say that, like you You were saying earlier that, um you were like, mm, when I was saying, guys don't come up often, but and like now they do. i I do think guys like Donovan Mitchell do come up pretty much every summer. So, like what we were saying, maybe this isn't the perfect time to s- take a swing for for the Raptors." they could wait. It's not the same level of player as Kevin Durant. Like I do think Donovan Mitchell type players come up more often. And so maybe the Raptors could talk themselves into waiting a year or two before making that type of trade. Um, And then, yeah, I'll name my price because it goes back to the reason I'm in for KD for the package we talked about is because I really think that takes the Raptors to like championship contender, like the upper echelon, the top four teams in the league who would win the title next season and going forward. I don't think if you trade Gary and OG for Donovan Mitchell, the Raptors are top like a championship absolute contender. And so that's where I struggle with it. He is younger and he's still improving offensively for sure. Um if you could get him without giving up OG, I think you're you're really happy, even if that comes at the cost of a lot of picks, which it so seems like Utah likes.
1: That's Gary, Precious, and a lot of picks, probably.
0: I don't know if I would even trade Precious. So I'm probably mm-hmm. out on Donovan Mitchell, r- realistically, because unless you could do it for Gary, Salary, and a lot of picks, I think I'd be out, because I really like Precious, and I think, yeah, I'm just not sure if I would want to give up Gary and OG for, for Mitchell, but... Like it's right on the fence for me. That that deal.
1: Yeah, the, and I'm thinking about this with Durant too. The trouble is, is like we don't really. Well, first of all, everybody in the league and their grandma are asking for a a legitimate shooting wing defender. Like you go down the list of teams, and there's very few that you're that you don't say like, man, if those guys had like a McHale, a McHale Bridges or an OG on their team, they would be so legit. And so, and, and the, those players are at a high, high premium OG fits that mold. People underrate OG all the time, but he really is like the linchpin to championship teams. And if you trade him, I don't, we don't really have that guy anymore. Like, and Gary would probably be the next guy that's going to be guarding your wing player. I suppose,
0: honestly, Um, it's. It would become Precious and Pascal. Like yeah, those guys do a good job on. They wings, they
1: do do a good job, but not. I don't think they do the job you want against high level players for prolonged periods of time. Like I don't. I I don't know that Precious can guard Tatum for for an entire game. And so, like I I think OG is it, OG's the obvious guy to go in any of these trades. But he but what's coming back doesn't doesn't fill in what we lose in OG and. And I would yeah. be concerned. That it's either a redundancy, a guard with with Mitchell and Freddie being undersized, or it's a redundancy at like the four with Pascal, Scotty, and Kevin Durant. So that's like that's all that's been my biggest hesitation with this all. I'd rather have Durant if I'm giving up OG, obviously, than Mitchell. I do right. think though that like the scoring prowess of Mitchell is something we desperately need, and I think yeah. Like you said, if we don't give up too much, um, Mitchell's defensive – I think people say he's just not playing as good defense as he can play. He has a great wingspan. He's athletic. There's no reason he shouldn't be better than he is. But I do think we can make up for his deficiencies if we have that core intact. So uh, I am torn, but I lean towards not going for it as well. He also is only 26. Like if he fits our timeline so well.
0: Yeah, I'm in a similar place with you, which is why I kind of held OG out of that deal, which is like you're all of a sudden taking this big six nine wing heavy team and you're going to a small backcourt with Fred and, and Donovan. And then you're just all of a sudden like Precious is your five. You're all of a sudden a really medium sized team. And I think some of what makes the Raptors so good is is their size and their length. Yeah, and that's the difference, obviously, between a Kevin Durant coming in for OG and and a guy like Donovan Mitchell coming in for OG. And then on the other side of things, though, like if it was just like a Gary type deal, and yeah, people say like, oh my god, the defense is so bad. It's like, I I mean, I'm I'm a little bit low on Gary's defense personally. So like, I don't I don't see that. that that, yeah that is not a huge fall off like that's gonna look pretty similar to the way it looks right now if that is like what you're ultimately switching out on the defensive end and yeah i like the offense i i actually really like his fit offensively i like his fit with fred um
1: he can carry the ball up and have freddy off ball like it's like that conley combo i think it'd be really nice
0: And he's still getting like significantly better. Like this is a guy who came into the league as not a passer, not a point guard. And they kind of put him in a point guard role. And like every year he's taken a step up as a playmaker, as a scorer. Um, Yeah. His defense fell off, but like you can't really, you have to put the context around that stuff. And it's like, that was just a bad season in Utah. Everyone knew it was going to blow up at the end of the season. So I'm high on Mitchell. Like, I'll just finish by saying, if I was the Jazz, I would keep him. Like I would, I would rebuild, retool around him. I don't understand why. Like I hate this idea of trade SGA, trade Donovan Mitchell because they're twenty five, and and you're looking at players who are twenty. It's like your players aren't all going to be the same age. (laughs) Like keep the good player around. Okay, it wasn't working with Rudy. I totally get trading one of them, but don't just like don't do what the Spurs did. I don't like what the Spurs did with Dejounte. Like I don't like when
1: teams do that. Yeah, unless they knew what he was going to do at all the pro am games. <laughs> I mean, honestly, maybe they just didn't like his character. Because I mean, it, it hasn't been the best look. But anyway, that's another. It's doctor. not a great look. Not the great final look. thing I'll say is 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 two things. Masai and I wrote about this about Durant, and I'm writing about it again. Masai has had a clear vision all the way through, and every time we argue about trading for a center, every time we argue about trading for like a backup score or whatever. It's like Masai has has had a vision for over a decade and he's finally enacting it. And I don't think he's going to forego it, to your point about having defensive versatility at all five positions, unless it's such an arbitrage of a trade like Kawhi. But again, that was different because the, the DeRozan era had hit its head on the ceiling multiple times. So it was just a different thing. So unless the arbitrage is so great, and the cost, that being the cost, is so low. I don't think Masai is going to go away from this vision. He's gotten Barnes, he's gotten Achua, he's he got OG. Like all of these guys fit exactly what he wants to execute, and they've yet to hit their 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 um, their peak. And I think he wants to wait and see when everybody's at the peak of their powers. What this team actually looks like?
0: Maybe, but that those decisions are going to have to come quick. Like this is going to be the season that they have to see. They're not going to be at the peak of their powers, but they're going to be pretty close. And I think they're going to have to make those decisions this season because Gary's contracts about to come up this off season. Like I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's like a long-term thing. I think it's like this season we'll see if, if this is the group
1: going forward or not. Well, to be honest, I don't think Gary's part of that picture. I just think Gary was a great flip for Powell Yeah, and it gave you all the versatility you need, but I don't, but I don't think he's the, like he's, we do need a Gary type, but he's not part of that picture. So I don't, I don't foresee him being a long-term contract guy, but that we can, that's maybe another conversation. Shall we, shall we move from yeah. that? We feel like we feel good about it. Feel yeah. Good. I feel like yeah. we flushed that out real nice. Okay. Quick fun one. Who is your favorite summer league performer? Let me just get
0: some uh some More tape conversely, who's here. your least favorite? Do you wanna go first?
1: Yeah, I know my answers.
0: Okay, you, you go you go first.
1: Well, this one's kind of obvious because but I'd like to say that I felt this way before it was confirmed, but uh sorry we're talking summer league not pickup games
0: oh let me pull up some summer league highlights (laughs) sorry sorry but we could be quick
1: on the summer league
0: i I also like thought i just had pickup in my head yeah so i was like who's my favorite pickup game guy that's a tough question
1: (laughs) summer league guy for me is jeff down like he just he stood out so like definitively they they, they they clearly set out this offseason to give Banton the ball and see what he could do. And he did quite well. But but when things kind of got disorderly or, you know, um, whatever Banton was up to wasn't really working, Downton was kind of like that guy of th- that you could depend on, that you could kind of go to. And his ability to finish at the rim in the most awkward ways, like really, like, was like wowing to watch, I guess, or like really unique like he, he finishes with both hands, like wide um, range of finishes. Um, He shot pretty well considering. And one thing that stood out to me, which is going to get you a, a training camp contract is he like game one, he was picking guys up full court and, and like jockeying them the whole way down the floor and staying with them, not getting beat. Um and then, lo and behold, he gets signed. So I think, like he d- he definitely, and I know he in the G League he has been like a, a baller for quite a while. So it, like, if you watch the G League, it shouldn't really be a, a big surprise. Um, one thing I uh, one negative thing I'll say is I when I look at him in the Rico Hines runs, he looks much smaller than I thought, and um, that might be because he's with NBA bodies now. I don't know, but he looks a lot like more slender than I realized. So
0: yeah. Yeah. This was the game, the jazz game that he took over in the fourth quarter. And he was really like the only guy that the Raptors had on the, on the summer league team that like could create his own shot. Yeah. efficiently, And like he, he does it here granted it's against Bruno, but we'll we'll for that. Um, Yeah, he stood out for sure just as, like, a vet type of guy. Like, he didn't make mistakes, which was impressive for a guy who, yeah, he is 25, and he has, like, a couple years' experience in the G League. But as someone who we didn't know about and who all of a sudden comes into a new team with new players, like, to be that steady was really impressive for sure. Um, My guy, though, was Delano. Oh, Oh, yeah, like...
1: Go, we go back to that full screen.
0: Oh, but then I can't see myself.
1: That's okay. I'll okay. tell you if you're looking bad. Okay.
0: Um. Yeah, like because I said this. Uh, in when, with I was talking with Will Lou in his show, and it was like Doughton is the guy that surprised us all, and like so he's the new face. So it's like yeah. it's fun and everything. But at the same time, Doughton's 25 and Delano's like 22, right? So you do have to put things in perspective. We just, we've gotten so used to Delano. He's no longer like the new hip thing. So I I guess it's not as attractive, but I think he made some really big strides that maybe went a little bit under the radar. Like the shooting was really good. And yes, it's a really small sample size. So I'm not like ready to say anything, but he came into the league as like a horrible, horrible three point shooter. Like, I would watch him warm up before games and like everything was so off. It wasn't even close. And he shot like 36% and on a high volume in um, summer league. And then on the other side, like his more impressed or more important to, for me is just his ball handling is getting a lot better and you're no longer seeing him kind of back down defenders and, and turn his back to them and he can actually face up in the half court, survey his options and that allows him to just do what he does best, which is like, like, like attack. Like, he's such a, he could take two steps and just be at the rim all of a sudden. And he's a great finisher at the rim because of his length. Like, I, I was pretty impressed with just how far, I guess, he's come along in the mm-hmm. past, like, year since he got drafted. And I mean, maybe we should do that. I don't know if we want to jump right into the point guard stuff, but. Yeah, I think can. he's pretty close. I think he's pretty close. I'll we'll, say.
1: Well, we'll do pick up first because there's more point guard <laughs> talk there. But I, yeah. I'll say like, yeah, I noted it in one of my uh, post game analysis that like he was getting challenged full court, and to your point, he wasn't backing them down. He was confidently facing them up, getting by them with his handles, right? Not relying yeah. on his length or size to kind of like eke his way through. Uh, so clear development. The other thing is he looked like an NBA player in a g-league or like summer league game like he had some really bad sequences some really bad sequences and his decision making is still not there and when he gets stuck because he is really much more downhill than anything else it it can look really bad especially when the half court gets like clogged um but the same way when he played in the g-league last year like he he's He's better than a, like. He's an NBA basketball player,
0: right? It, it he's be, right in the fringe, in like right. a rotation guy. But he's better than the G League, right? Or it league. could
1: be a while, and it may it may never happen. But there there is so much there to be hopeful for. Um, and his size and length and quickness alone, to me, earns him a spot on this team, no question. Because you can throw him out there sure. for eight minutes a game and just be a pestering pest. Yeah. No, he's
0: making the team. There's
1: no yeah, way he just yeah. I know, the team. but I'm just saying that like like he didn't, you know, th- yeah, there, it just he again, the same thing with Malachi Flynn in last summer league, like they put the ball in his hands because they wanted to see if he's legitimately NBA caliber and he proved by far that he is, the same way Flynn did. So, I think um so that it that was promising. I just think he had a lot of bad spells in the summer league as well. That kind of like cooled me off just uh, ever so slightly.
0: Yeah, his turnovers are the biggest issue for me. Like in terms of what's holding you back from actually being the backup point guard of the Raptors. Like you can't come in and turn the ball over four times a game if that's your job. Um, And and he just hasn't gotten that. He leaves his feet too much. He tries like these passes that are crazy. And like, I like it. I like the risk because the Raptors don't have a lot of guys who take those risks as playmakers, but you, at the same time you're fighting for a job and I don't think it's like he needs to find a way to to limit those. I he had more him, turnovers than assists in, in Summer League.
1: Yeah, that's not good. I call so, them the fourth dimension passes. Like they are things that he sees right, that nobody exactly. else does yeah. or that he sees, but he doesn't see everything else that's in the three dimension. So like the arm that's actually in the way of that pass – Or whatever, but but the the fact that he has that vision, I think, is is a plus at his age. Um, For sure, you know, like he's yeah, he's creating. They're just not there. Um, Yeah, I mean,
0: we can talk about Malachi in in relation to that because Malachi never makes those passes. Well, that's really those passes, and that's because I think he doesn't see those passes.
1: So then, let's go. Let let's go to pick up overreaction because Flynn might come up there, yeah, and then we'll go to the the next topic where Flynn will really be uh, front and center. Um, favorite pick up overreaction. So, just for those of you who've maybe been on holidays and haven't cared about the NBA, which I wouldn't blame you in the slightest. The Raptors signed Rico Hines, who's um, who is a like, or you might know better than me, but he's a player development guy. Um, he's renowned for running these NBA pickup runs where where dudes show up and um, you get wicked highlights and there's like now there's all of these great um, like clips of him giving inspirational talks like he's talking yeah. real and then Harden's talking real and Freddie comes in and he talks real and it's like man I wanted to go pick my shoes up and start training and I have no hope of a career or anything like it's really inspirational. So the Raptors signed Rico Hines to be part of their staff, which is talking brilliant because the entire Raptor roster was at all of these runs um, and he's got a lot of connections and he's obviously well liked by players. So I think it was a great signing by Toronto, but anyway, so we have these runs. um, Then we also, for whatever reason, the pro-am runs seem to be really popular these days. Um, Everybody's partaking in them. I'm sure we've seen the DeJounte Palo Washington beef that's going on. Um, so Scotty and Flynn have played in a couple of those. we got the drew league. So anyway, we have all of these runs, all of these highlights and you know, what's been your biggest overreaction to all of this horn
0: positive or negative,
1: whatever, maybe both. I'll,
0: I'll start positive. Uh, my, my positive overreaction was, was Freddie. First of all, he, he cut his own highlights and posted it <laughs> separate of the Rico Hines channel. Um, and he wasn't Dude, in the first brand couple days.
1: To, he's got a brand to like, oh for sure. Fvvtv. Yeah,
0: F-V-TV. Yo, yeah go like full, he wasn't go full
1: screen again. He
0: wasn't in the first couple days, and people were like, "Oh, I, I guess Freddie's not like uh, five on five ready because obviously he had the injury at the end of the season." So there was some speculation there, and then uh, and then this dropped, and he obviously looks like he's fucking ready for the season, like he. he I was watching a lot of these highlights and I'm not overreacting to them, but Freddie, like you, you obviously don't know the full score and like the full, everything that's going on. But Freddie clearly came in this day and just gave guys buckets. Like his team was winning and he was hitting every final shot. Like right there. That's, that's the, we're going to skip the speech. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's nothing new to be honest that we saw from Freddie, I guess Scotty will be the popular answer. Uh, but, but, you just sometimes forget, I guess i I forgot because not like forgot, forgot, but like he was injured. his whole second half of the season, he just wasn't himself, especially yeah. as a shooter. Um, but when Freddie is this good of a shooter, especially from like the distance he's now confident at, and as a pull up guy, as a catch and shoot guy, like all of it, um, and he's running pick and roll, and all, every season he's getting better as a playmaker. You just, I try to, I have to not take that for granted. And so when I saw this video, I realized, oh yeah, I took this for granted for a while. And we're going to talk about the point guard situation after this. Like we're so lucky that we have this guy to eat up 38 minutes a game last season, because if they didn't, they would have been absolutely screwed.
1: The only, the only disappointment of all of this is that Freddie wasn't wearing sweatpants Cause that's my favorite of Freddie is when he's in these pickup games, wearing sweatpants, But, um, yeah, he looked absolutely phenomenal. The he clearly came into the run being like, okay, I'm shooting thirty-five foot threes and I'm running pick and roll with Coloco. And yeah. and he I don't think he missed. By the way, as coaches, like I think it's brilliant to have to win the game. After you yeah. score to win the game, you have to hit a free throw to win the game. I think that's yeah. a, like a really cool touch. Um, he gives this nice little speech, which is always fun. Um, maybe because he knows he's on film probably but it was still great but yeah he looked limber uh explosive like he could have shot anywhere on the court and guys looked exasperated in the highlights like they're just like like what am I gonna do now he looked like what Banton looks like looked like in the summer league like he looked a degree above everybody in that yes. run. and I guess it's a highlight yeah. package fair enough but it, he really did stand out. Um, my overreaction, it would have been Scotty, you know, like, but whatever, like it, that's too easy. I am going with Malachi Flynn and I'll tell you why. Like, so I asked Samson in his podcast, like, why should we overreact? Like, what do we think about Malachi Flynn coming into the season? Because the pro-am games, he had 52 and 70 or something. And he basically just like was lightning. Uh, on the floor and Samson's answer was a good one it's like Malachi's a good player he doesn't fit the Raptors system he's a pick and roll guy score first guy who's an average to above average defender which I don't think he gets enough props for but if he's going to make it on our team he's got to be a walking bucket and and I think like demonstrating like it's there are guys that are going to these pro am games and not scoring at this rate, right? Like I don't know if you saw, but like Obi Toppin, Julius Randall, and Brunson's lost, team lost yes. by thirteen or something. Whatever, who cares? But I mean, like, it, it, there's something to be said for a guy walking on there and just destroying um, teams. And I think, and and whatever, it, it is a pro am game, but I like I.
0: Oh. You cut out. Aiden cut out. Aiden's internet cut out. I'll pick up on uh, Malachi for a bit because I agree with what Samson said. Um, about about. Okay, he's. Back. I got booted. I, got I don't know what. Yeah, I'm about you keep going.
1: Uh, yeah. If Flynn's <laughs> going to make it on this team, which he doesn't have much like hope left, and this is a good segue to I think our point guard conversation. He's gonna have to be lightning in a bottle, and he was towards the end of the year, um, and so healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he can like make an impact on the team this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like my thing with Flynn is I've always said that the Raptors need to simplify his role into a score. Like I've always seen him as like a Lou Williams more yeah. than like a traditional backup point guard because like what I said with the Benton stuff. Flynn doesn't see those special passes. Like, yeah, he runs a pick and roll and he can make the simple passes. Even even the, the skip to the weak side is really hard for him because he's so small. Um, so, like, he's not a great passer. And I think the Raptors have asked him to run the team. Like, they say, when you come out there, we want you to run the team. And I just think that's, like, too big of an ask because a lot of sports point guards coming into the league struggle with this, which is like the balance between scoring and my teammates not getting mad at me is like a really hard one to strike. And I don't think he's been able to strike it. And so I want to see the Raptors just be like, you're Lou Williams. Like you come in the game and you get buckets and that's all you have to worry about. Obviously if guys are hedging or double teaming you, yeah, you make the right read, but like if his role is to score, I do think that's the best use of him. Um, But I'm losing hope too, because the Raptors, it it never seen Like they they haven't had a guy like Lou Williams since Lou
1: Williams. (laughs) Well, they're, they're running. They're, they're, they're running out of capacity for Flynn to be that. Um, I think it's unfortunate for Flynn because he's a late round draft pick. Freddie V like prototype. Right. And so they kind of almost cast him in the same light and he's not that he almost looks like he rue's having to pass the ball. Like his game yeah. is to find buckets. That's just what he's always done. And maybe he will evolve over time, but he hasn't had the opportunity to find that confidence or that consistency to evolve, right? Like he's going back to what's his nature, which is to score and to shoot when he's open and that's it. Um, so I think you're right to empower him into that role is is probably a better idea as opposed to being like, you're the backup point guard.
0: Um, yeah, because like the skill is clear. It's clear that he has scoring skill. I do think there is a world in which we are wrong and the Raptors are right to to play the long game and the eventually like something clicks and it's like, oh, okay, he can balance that playmaking and scoring. And now he's a real asset. He's not just a spark plug guy. Like if that happened at some point this season, I wouldn't be shocked. No. Um but you, does like seem, you said it's
1: a maturity thing that happens with smaller guards.
0: Yeah, I think with all like point guards that balance is is really hard to strike. Like some guys are pass first and like Scotty, right? Like Scotty passed for most of the season he was not aggressive enough as a scorer. Like it happens with a lot of new uh, Scotty's not a guard but like you know what he is kind of a guard. So Yeah, I think it happens with like a lot of new point guard type players and Flynn just hasn't been able to find that balance.
1: Perfect segue into our next topic, which is who are our point guards? This question actually is like more complicated than you would think because no one really fits the mold of what you would necessarily classify as a point guard. Freddie Van Vliet is not a point guard full stop like he's a combo guard he's not a point guard it like Pascal I disagree
0: with that at this point Fred's turned himself into a point I just
1: I don't think like I I mean maybe but I I don't think I don't think he he's best utilized maybe as a high volume point guard but yeah that's debatable then we have point Pascal which to which has unlocked probably the best version of Toronto's offense, right? So um, we have mm-hmm. Pascal there. Scotty is has shown, um, you know, glimpses of being the point forward. and like That was said, a glimpse right there. Yeah, and like you said, he has the vision. He's comfortable distributing and playmaking. Like, that's what he enjoys doing. Then we have um, Malachi Flynn, who we just talked about, who I also don't think is a natural point guard. We have Delano Benton, who is a point guard but in the half court is basically not really anything as far as point guard goes or he struggles um we have just jeff Downton now am i forgetting anybody else i think that's probably it um yeah we have we have a lot of guys that fit parts and aspects of a point guard um and we have point precious too don't forget (laughs) Um, so like how do you see how do you see this shaking out?
0: Yeah, I, I think, first of all, there's, like, a distinction to be made between, like, point guard and, like, ball handler, right? Because, like, Scotty and Pascal, the offense does look good when it runs through those two in, like, a point guard way. But those two shouldn't be relied upon to take the ball up the court every play. Right. Because when they do and teams pressure it, which smart teams will do in the playoffs, it throws the Raptors out of whack and, and they'll just get turned over sometimes too. Like those guys have good hand, or Pascal has a good handle. Scotty's is coming along, but it's not like at the point where you're like a confident, like ball handler, like every play run like ton of pick and roll like it's not that type of thing it's more so like get them in their spots give them the ball they both like the post a lot and run some like inside out offense and and yeah they're point guards in in a sense but not exactly and then when you talk about ball handlers it's like malachi and delano so i'll kind of leave fred out of this because i think fred is like clearly their starting point guard and to me i'm more concerned like we we kind of know they're gonna give fred some minutes on the ball and then sometimes he's gonna play off the ball with pascal and all those other guys but i guess my concern is more so like when when they get to the playoffs if this is who they're running out and, and they haven't made any changes my concern is where is the secondary ball handling coming from like I don't think Malachi or Delano are playoff ready guys just yet. And then I don't think there's enough ball handling between Scotty and Pascal to where you're confident your team is going to be able to deal with full court pressure. Your team is going to be able to deal it. If they say they like, I don't know, take Fred face guard, Fred in, in a way. And then, all of a sudden you're relying on only Scotty and Pascal to handle the ball. Like that's just a lot of responsibility for those two, given the sometimes shakiness of the handle that, yeah, it, it's a concern. And and I, I want to be clear, like the playmaking, I think there's a ton of playmaking on this team. That's not the issue. But the ball handling I think is an issue.
1: Yeah, I guess I challenged Freddie as a point guard because i think this team struggled when he over when he over controlled the ball and i think that's because he's not a natural distributor like that's not that's not exactly how he plays um and so that's I think, like, to me, that's a little bit of the challenge is that, like, okay, well, if Freddie's a little bit off the ball or, like, we, we don't want him overplaying. Are you hearing the chickens in the background? Yes, I'm hearing the chickens. Yes. Nice. Um, if he's – if he's has the ball too much, I think, like, we're going to – we will be in a little bit of trouble offensively. So then it kind of begs the question, like, who's going to have the ball in his hand? So I, I think – you're right. Like the starting five, it's not going to be the biggest problem. Freddie brings the ball up and probably initiates something. And then we're, you know, the secondary actions with Pascal or Scotty brings the ball up and the secondary actions with Freddie or Pascal. Like I'm, I guess I'm okay with that. Um, And I would be interested to see what they do in the second lineups. I could see something like, we just talked about how Malachi is not really a distributor. So maybe he brings the ball up and then immediately it goes to somebody else to, to initiate an action. I don't know. But yeah, I um, it it's confusing because it's not that clear to me. And some teams pay, pay a lot of money to resolve that, right? So like, Tyus Jones just got repaid to be Morant's like solid backup point guard, and maybe yeah. that's because Morant's a little bit injured. But most teams have like a defining distributor, and and we don't. I don't think we have one at least in the guard role. Um, and again, that's pr- that's probably part of Masai's, you know ultimate vision is that like everybody can do this but to your point in the playoffs or when when push comes to shove like we kind of need a guy that can that we can rely on to um control like a Kyle Lowry essentially control the tempo put everybody in place get things going doesn't necessarily need to break down the defense but needs to make sure everybody's in position to get things uh rolling so uh, yeah yeah it remains to be seen
0: I think Fred though is getting a lot better at that. Like last season he took a yeah. big jump doing that. And there there were you're right there were moments where he overdribbled the ball and he was doing too much himself, but I think that I think a lot of that was just due to the nature of the season with the injuries and and just the lack of skill the team yeah. had. I yeah. really think that we're going to see Fred take a diminished role on offense this year. And I think he will be more of that player who, yeah, he takes the ball up the court, then he gets off it. It gets to Pascal, it gets to Scotty, and Fred is more of the off-ball guy running around screens. And I I think the offense is going to run a little bit more like that than it did last year. Obviously, Fred will get his share of pick and rolls. But yeah, like I'm not worried about that necessarily. I I, I would really, like I, I do think when you said like Tyus Jones, I think that is one thing that this team is missing is the backup point guard position. Like I'm not confident going into the playoffs in the Malachi Banton pairing. Like I, they're both, we talked about, they both have interesting skills and they both could have breakout years. But if we're talking about a playoff series where we're going to rely on one of those guys to come in and give you like 20 minutes a night. And, and like in the playoffs, it's all about being consistent and like bringing something every night um and and they need to play those minutes because if they don't it's just like who's bringing the ball up the floor when when Fred's sitting and like where is the ball handling when Pascal is getting double teamed right it, it's just that simple stuff i think you need a guy who can step in and fill those um those roles yeah so yeah but uh, with that being said like it would not surprise me if they dealt with that at the trade deadline, right? Like if Malachi and Benton both struggle, it's not that hard to go get a backup point guard. It no. really isn't. No. So
1: it, it's kind of like, you know, when you build a character in like a video game and it, it's like, you can, you you can basically either, you know, be par or average in every characteristic, or you can just jam it on like three characteristics and, and, and whatever forego a couple i think messiah's kind of done that like i think they've sold out on having a traditional like small point guard they're just not interested in having that um unless but they this can, all yeah. unless they can get it sneakily on like those late draft picks like they did with flynn and like freddie turned out
0: right but this all does come back to what we were talking about at the beginning with Katie and and Donovan, like those guys automatically negate the need for that type of player because you can just give them the ball. Yeah. And that can be your bench offense, for example,
1: but right. And Pascal and Scotty could be that NOG wants to be that. So, you know, I got, I I think that's what they're banking on. Um, Okay. Our final topic for the night who, Orin Weisfeld, is surviving training camp?
0: Okay, I thought you were just going to say our final topic was Gabe Brown. And I was <laughs> going to be like, I don't know if I can do 10 minutes. Let's break Gabe down
1: Brown. Gabe Brown's Michigan State three point shot. Oh, yeah. But first, do you want to outline the situation? Can you do it off the top of your head?
0: No, I'd have to pull something up. Um, if you give me a minute, I can. But uh I mean we kinda we kinda we kinda know what the Raptors Basically, got. Okay, here we go. There are three
1: spots go. available. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Pascal okay. So they have twelve guys on fully guaranteed contracts.
1: Is this compliments of uh Zatz Zatzman? No, this is my story. Oh, this is you, okay. Well Lou has one on Raptors Republic, you can check that out. Or you can check out Oran's on Yahoo. This
0: is on uh, This is on Sportsnet. It was just Sportsnet. about um, Summer League. But, okay, they have 12 guys on guaranteed contracts. But one of those guys is Svi, and they could cut Svi. Anyways, they also have Coloco, who they're going to sign. And do you contract. know why they
1: haven't signed him?
0: I mean, there's speculation that, you know, a, a Durant trade would obviously affect... They would want to hold off to signing him be, until a trade happened. Uh, for tax purposes, so I think it's just to be like in case there is a trade, why would you rush to sign a guy? He's yeah. gonna be on the team. I'm not worried
1: about it. no, it's just in, it is an interesting anomaly that I think that's why yeah they I think it initiates a hard cap if they do sign him because they want to sign him to multiple years, I think right, um, right. yeah.
0: And then, yeah, so thirteen with um, Coloco. And then fourteen with, um, Bo Cruz, who got guaranteed money, which was somewhat surprising, right?
1: Uh, I mean, do you want to talk about Wancho first? Is that? Well, no, keep going. I wouldn't. I wouldn't lock Wancho in yet. But um, so yeah, you've got Wancho. Yeah, I should. You got Wancho. You got uh, Justin Champeni. You got Delano Banton. Here's
0: here's Lewis's piece. Okay. Here are the people fighting for spots is okay, Banton, Svee, and Gabe Brown at the wings.
1: I don't know if Gabe's a guard.
0: At the yeah. guard, sorry. And then Wings, Champagne, Wancho, DJ Wilson.
1: Okay. Um so money doesn't matter because we don't give a shit about owners' money and like they can still cut them, so it doesn't really matter. I guess it impacts the cap a little bit. Yeah.
0: And so but, this would be for three spots. These yes. players are three spots because Coloco is basically taking Svi's spot in Lewis's situation. Right. Because even though Svi has
1: Lu- Lewis to play, whatever. caught Svi.
0: Lu- yeah. Lewis has said, I mean, Lewis said he's fighting, which is true. He is fighting for a spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, these players are, are fighting for three spots. So, how do you want to do it?
1: But then, and then also Jeff Downton's on a two way, and then. Um, yeah, that's so different. is Ron Harper jr. Who's on a two way who I was extremely disappointed with in summer league, by the way, I didn't. Yeah, did but that's love... different.
0: Those guys are not competing for spots. They I know, but it's, their contract. but
1: we, you know, we signed him immediately. And I'm kind of surprised. I'm surprised at how he looked. He just didn't look like he had the athleticism still. Anyway, okay. Some other topic, but um, so, yeah, I think let's, I think the way we can look at this is Banton and I think Champeni are basically locks and Lou kind of talks, talks about it the same way. Like I don't. it's a, it's a point of pride to keep your second rounders around for another year. Um, Banton and Champeni both demonstrated specific skill sets that translate to the, to the NBA level. Banton, we already talked about Champagny is a top offensive rebounder for a wing period and he was starting to hit his corner three, and like he has a lot of nice touch around the rim. So there, there are aspects to his game that are very translatable. Plus, when they sent him to the G League, he went off as so they banted. So they've really kind of demonstrated that they have the potential. So I do, and they both fit the profile of 6'8 long athletic switchable. So I do think those two guys are basically locks for training camp. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I won't argue with it, but I would say Delano is more of a lock for me. Like Delano's a lock, and I would put Champagny as like a favorite, but not a lock.
1: Okay. That's fair. So we um, got we got one and two A. One and, and a then half. what's that? One and a half. And then who is your second half and your third?
0: I think I think Svee and Wancho, um, I think it'll come down to them, probably, especially if we're going to lock in Champagne. Like, I think you want a shooter, right? Like, ideally, you'd like some shooting. And those are the two guys who could shoot some. Um, and so I think they're going to be fighting it out more than anything. Gabe Brown is on an exib- Exhibit 10, which is basically like a 905 deal. Like, I highly doubt he's... Uh, he he feels more like he's he's the 20th guy in training camp he feels more like a guy they're just getting in early and then he'll play with the 905 and and try to work his way into a deal then um so yeah i think it comes down to and then dj wilson is like he's an interesting player i just feel like a lot of what he does is um what's the word when like it's like already repeated on the raptors redundant. so yeah, it's redundant. Like he can play some small ball five, and he offensive rebounds really well. Like he does all, all of these like weird things. But the Raptors just have players who do those things better already. So I think he is an NBA player, but I just don't see the fit in Toronto right now. So yeah, I think it'll come down to Sophie and Wancho. Who do you want highlights of?
1: Uh, I don't who know. Who do you want to talk about? Wancho, Gabe Brown. Give the people, like, well, I can't believe I can't remember his name, but who was the guy that, that our center last year who just never really cut it? Uh, big Gillespie? long guy from, yeah, Gillespie. Okay, DJ Wilson reminds me of Gillespie a little bit. Like, not exactly the same player, because Wilson's much more athletic and mobile, but it's just kind of like there's nothing really that stands out to me that really, like, warrants like taking taking doesn't have a
0: standout skill i would say
1: exactly like he i think he can make a good team a little bit better but i don't think like there's anything like there's no potential there really in my opinion that's worth going for wancho on the other hand now wancho's been all around the league i think the raptors would be his seventh league and or seventh team in like six years so There's something missing with him that uh, that teams think he like, you know, he's one of those guys. uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else like Jeff Green, kind of like he fits what you want in a player. But then in practice, it's not exactly what you idealize. Um, He's super long. He's super tall. He runs like a wide receiver. Uh, He has shot pretty well from three and he has a little bit of at rim, as you can see. But when you put it all together, it's just not there for whatever reason. That being said, Toronto leverages these types of players more than any other. Like they run a system and a scheme that enables guys like Wancho, who clearly have flaws or aren't good at any one thing, but but um, but can fit in a scheme can fit much better than they otherwise would when they're left on their own. And so I think I think he is going to make the team because he's a body that you can put out there with experience who can shoot who can do the little things that the raptors expect of their their depth players and then every once in a while is gonna you know maybe blow up for 13 or 14 points kind of what i think they anticipated speed to do and speed has never ended up doing so i th- i think yeah. wancho's own i almost would guarantee wancho like i'd be willing to, to bet money on wancho making the team
0: Well, yeah, he there was a report that there's guaranteed money in his contract, which is surprising this late in the offseason to get that. So they clearly like him and he he becomes a favorite for the spot because of that. Um, But yeah, like like you said, I mean, these end of roster spots, as I was saying, like they don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Matter
1: or they matter. But,
0: But they they matter in the sense of like, all right are you going to knock down your open threes? Like that's really the biggest thing. And Svi ultimately could not do that. He had his fair share of, he had more moments than you would think because there was so many injuries. And because he wasn't like, he made the team pretty early. He wasn't like a 15th man, but he had a lot of like opportunities and just could not knock down his open threes. And so like, yeah, like let's pass the baton to someone to see if, let's give someone else a try basically is where I land. Like I'm, I'm team Wancho over Svi because I'd rather see him at least get a try. Well, when I've already
1: seen Svi get a try. Um, yeah, and he's going to go into team practices and he's going to make dudes work too. I've heard he's a great guy. Like I've heard he's a really top teammate, which is always great. Um, yeah. But I think as an NBA veteran, which he basically is now and an international veteran as well, Like he's going to make the young guys bust their asses and earn their spots. And I think that's what you want at the back end of a roster.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I don't have a ton to say about the, these spots because they never matter. But um, yeah, like it just comes down to who's going to hit their open shots. I think more than anything and we'll see like, that's I feel like that's the way that these guys get like their breaks in terms of like the next contract or the next exactly. thing. It's like there's a bunch of injuries, you get your shot to play with like the stars, um, but you're a role player and you break out one game because teams are letting you shoot away from three and you knock down four or five of them. You know, like and then you keep doing that, and teams have to then adjust their game plans to not give you that shot, and then the stars have a bit more room, like. That's how the guys like this break out. And last season, there was a lot of issues. I mean, there's a good amount of issues for the Raptors, but one of them was that the end of the rotation guys did not break out. Like none of them had that like consistency where you can kind of bet on one of them to break out like over the course of a season and like none of them Played their way into the rotation, which is why there was like seven guys playing and all that. So, anyways,
1: Flynn started to and then he got injured. But that's true. But um, small sample. Yeah, I, uh, I had a thought, but yeah, it's gone now. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. Oh, I know what I was going to say is what you're describing is basically what got Otto Porter Jr. paid. Like he yeah. signed him in in Golden State. He fit perfectly in that system. He hit his threes. He did everything they asked of him, and he got paid in Toronto. And, and I, I mean, maybe we don't want to talk about Otto Porter Jr. this round. I'm a little bit worried that there's going to be some, like, retrograde in that respect just because up until that point, he had been an inconsistent player, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Wancho could be an Otto Porter Jr. kind of, like, break you know, like you said, hits 40% of his threes on three or four attempts a game and rebounds and passes and plays defense. Boom. Done. So
0: Yeah. And the content will be good. Oh yeah. So that's, what's most important.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I think right. We covered a lot there, Warren. Yeah. That was good stuff. I feel like I really felt like it was building up. Like I needed to just like spew it all out. So hopefully. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: been a so while. No, I, I was, I was excited to do this. This was yeah. good.
1: Me too. Um, so everyone, thanks for joining us. Hopefully that was informative for you. We got some other stuff coming up. We're not going to tell you what it is, but stay tuned in the coming weeks. It'll subscribe be little-
0: to the YouTube channel. Cause yeah, we're yeah. going to have a, a good, exciting, bet related show.
1: Yeah. A little bit of a preview of the season in regards to where money can go <laughs> to get you more money. Um, so yeah, thank you everybody. Um, We'll talk to you soon. I think Kyle and Sahal will join us as well. We'll get the crew back together. Uh, anything to promote, Orn? No. Me neither. Nada. It's the dead days. Yeah. All right. Ciao, everybody.